Chapter Thirty Three of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Monroe. Chapter Thirty Three. Back in Doom. The night brooded on the highlands when Count Victor reached the shore snow and darkness clotted in the clefts of the valleys opening innumerably on the sea but the hills held up their heads and thought among the stars unbending in august and pure knowing nothing at all of the glens and shadows it was like a convocation of spirits the peaks rose everywhere white to the brows and vastly ruminating an ebbing tide too so that the strand was bare upon the sands where there had been that folly of the morning the waves rolled in an ascending lisp spilled upon at times with gold when the decaying moon a halbert head thrown angrily among ossian's flying ghosts the warrior clouds cut through them sometimes and was so reflected in the sea the sea was good good to hear and smell the flying clouds were grateful to the eye the stars he praised god for the delicious stars not in words but in an exaltation of gratitude and affection yet the mountain peaks were most of all his comforters he had run from the castle as if the devil had been at his red heels with that ridiculous coat flapping its heavily braided skirts about his calves passing through snow-smothered gardens bordering boarding dark plantations of firs leaped opposing fell-dykes whence sheltering animals ran terrified at the apparition and he came out upon the seaside at the bay as one who has overcome a nightmare and wakens to see the familiar friendly glimmer of the bedroom fire a miracle and mainly worked by a glimpse of these blanched hills for he knew now that they were an inseparable part of his memory of olivia her hills her sheltering sentinels the mere sight of them dooms orison though he had thought of her so much when he shivered in the fosse it had too often been as something unattainable never to be seen again perhaps a part of his life passed and done with an incubus rode his chest though he never knew till now when it fled at the sight of olivia's constant friends the mountains why the girl lived her home was round the corner there dark jutting in the sea he could with some activity be rapping at her father's door in a couple of hours grace de said he let us leave trifles and go home it was a curious sign of his preoccupation ever since he had escaped from his imprisonment that he should not once have thought on where he was to fly to till this moment when the hills inspired silence thought calm and purity here they are they seemed to tell him and by no means unattainable where now that he had time to think of it could he possibly go to-night but to the shelter of doom let the morrow decide for itself a demain les affaires sérieuses doom and olivia what eyes she had that girl they might look upon the assailant of her wretched lover with anything but favour yet even in anger they were more to him than those of all the world else in love 
be sure count victor was not standing all the time of these reflections shivering in the snow he had not indulged a moment's hesitation since ever he had come upon the bay and he walked through the night as fast as his miserable shoes would let him the miles passed he crossed the rivers that mourned through hollow arches and spread out in brackish pools along the shore curlews piped dolorously the very psalm of solitude and when he passed among the hazelwoods of strone and achnatra their dark recesses belled continually with owls it was the very pick of a lover's road no outward vision but the sombre masses of the night the valleys of snow and the serene majestic hills to accompany that inner sight of the woman no sounds but that of solemn waters and the forest creatures to make the memory of her words the sweeter a road for lovers and he was the second of the week though he did not know it only simon mactaggart had come up hot foot on his horse a trampling conqueror as he fancied the count trudged shamefully undignified through snow that came high upon the silken stockings and long ago had made his dancing shoes shapeless and sodden but he did not mind that he had a goal to make for an ideal to cherish timidly once or twice he found himself with some surprising humming gringoire's song that surely should never go but with a light heart and in the fullness of time he approached the point of land from which he knew he could first see doomstock promontory if it were day there his steps slowed somehow it seemed as if all his future fortune depended on whether or not a light shone through the dark to greet him between him and the sea rolling in upon a spit of the land there was of all things a herd of deer dimly to be witnessed running back and forward on the sand as in some confusion at his approach at another time the thing should have struck him with amazement but now he was too busy with his speculation whether doom should gleam on him or not to study this phenomenon of the frosty winds he made a bargain with himself if the isle was black that must mean his future fortune if a light was there however tiny it was the star of happy omen it was it was it was several things he dared not let himself think upon for fear of immediate disappointment for a minute he paused as if to gather his courage and then make a dash round the point ventredieu blackness his heart ached and then as most men do in similar circumstances he decided that the test was a preposterous one why faith should he relinquish hope of everything because what the light was there like a fool he had misjudged the distance in the darkness and had been searching for it in the wrong place it was so bright that it might be a star estrayed a tiny star and venturesome gone from the keeping of the maternal moon and wandered into the wood behind doom to tangle in the hazel boughs a dear star a very gem of stars a star more precious than all the others in that clustered sky because it was the light of olivia's window a plague on all the others with their twinkling search among the clouds for the little one lost he wished it had been a dark night that he might have only this one visible 
by rights he should be weary and cold and the day's events should trouble him but to tell the truth he was in happy exultation all the rest of the way sometimes the star of hope evaded him as he followed the bending path trees interposing he only ran the faster to get it into his vision again and it was his bacon up to the very walls of doom the castle took possession of the night how odd that he should have fancied that brave tower arrogant it was traced in the very air of friendliness and love the fairy residence the moated keep of all the sweet tales his nurse was used to tell him when he was a child in Canercy. and there he had a grateful memory of the ringleted middle-aged lady who had alternately whipped and kissed him and in his night's terrors soothed him with tales my faith said he thou didst not think perils contes de fées might twenty years after have so close an application to a woman and a tower in misty albion he walked deliberately across to the rock went round the tower stood a moment in the draggled arbour the poor arbour of dead ideals doom that once was a child of the noisy wars was dead as the chateau d'arc save for the light in its mistress's window poor old shell and yet somehow he would not have had it otherwise he advanced and rapped the door the sound rang in the interior and presently mungo's shuffling steps were heard and his voice behind the door inquiring who was there a friend answered count victor humouring the little old man's fancy for affairs of arms a friend repeated mungo with contempt a man on a horse has aye hundreds of friends in the gutter as on a place is and it would need to be something rarer to get into doom in the murker nicht i opened the door to a friend the other nicht and he gripped me by the craig and fair choked me afore i could cry a barley pester do not flatter my english so much as to tell me you do not recognize count victor's accent through a door lord keep us cried mungo hastily drawing his bolts ha ye changed your mind already and left the inns it's a good thing for your wife you're not married or she would be the sorry woman with such a shiftin man his astonishment was even greater when count victor stood before him a ludicrous figure with his too ample coat didn't tell me he had come through the snow this nicht like that he cried incredulous holding up his candle the better to examine the figure count victor laughed and for an answer simply thrust forth a sopping foot to his examination man you must hae been hootont said the servant shaking his cowled head till the tassel danced above his temple your shoon's fair steeped wi water water's an awful thing to rot your boots i aye said if it rotted ends boots that way which would it no day to ain stomach oh sirs sirs this is becoming the throng hoose we comins and goins and raps and roars and the collie shangies o akins if it was na me was the canny gerdot it's himself what had to flit for the sake of his nicht's sleep you behold mungo the door in borrowed plumes said count victor as the door was being barred again i hope the door felt more comfortable than i do in mine 
and he ruefully surveyed his apparel. Does Master Mungo recognize these peacock feathers? Mungo scanned the garment curiously. It's gay like ain I've seen on a bigger man, he answered. And a better, perhaps, thought my worthy Mungo. I remember that our peacock was a diplomatist, and had a huge interest in your delightful stories. A movement of Mungo's made him turn to see the baron standing behind him a little bewildered at his apparition. Felte, said the baron, and I fancy you would be none the were, as we say, of the fireside. He went before him into the sal, taking Mungo's candle. Mungo was dispatched for Annapla, and speedily the silent Abigail of visions was engaged upon that truly Gaelic courtesy, the bathing of the traveller's feet. The baron considerately made no inquiries, if it was a caprice of Count Victor's, to venture in dancing-shoes and a borrowed jacket through dark snow-swept roads, it was his own affair. And the Count was so much interested in the new cheerfulness of his host, once so saturnine and melancholy, that he left his own affairs unmentioned for a while as the woman worked. It was quite a light-hearted recluse, this, compared with what he had left a week ago. "'I am not surprised you found yon place dull,' at last hazarded the baron. "'Comment?' "'Down by, I mean. I'm glad myself always to get home out of it at this season. When the fishes are there it's all my fancy, but when it does not smell of herring, the stench of lawyer's sheepskins gets on the top, and is mighty offensive to any man that has had muckle to do with them.' "'Dull,' repeated Count Victor, now comprehending. "'I have crowded more experience into the past four-and-twenty hours than I might meet in a month anywhere east of Calais. I have danced with a duchess, fought a stupid duel, with the town looking on for all the world as if it were a performance in a circus, with lathen weapons, mopped in a dungeon, broken through the same, stolen a coat trampled through miles of snow in a pair of pantoufles forgotten to pay the bill at the inn and lost my baggage and my reputation which latter i swear no one in these parts will be glad to pick up for his own use baron i'll be shot if your country is not bewitched my faith what happenings since i came here expecting to be killed with ennui I protest I shall buy a Scots estate, and ask all my friends over here to see real life. Only they must have good constitutions. I shall insist on them having good constitutions. And there's another thing. It necessitates that they must have so kind a friend as Monsieur le Baron, and so hospitable a house as Doom to fall back on when their sport comes to a laughable termination, as mine has done to-night." "'Ah, then you have found your needle in the haystack after all,' cried Doom, vastly interested. "'Found the devil!' cried Montaillon, a shade of vexation in his countenance, for he had not once that day had a thought of all that had brought him into Scotland. "'The haystack must be stuck full of needles, like the bran of a pincushion. "'And this one who is not the particular needle named Drimdarroch?' I shall give you three guesses, Monsieur le Baron. Doom reflected, pulled out his nether lip with his fingers, looking hard at his guest. It is not the Chamberlain. Pest, thought the Count. 
can the stern unbending parent have relented you are quite right he said no other but it is not a matter of the most serious importance i lost my coat and the gentleman lost a little blood i have the best assurances that he will be on foot again in a week or two by which time i hope at all events i expect to be out of all danger of being invited to resume the entertainment in the meantime here's doom yours so long as it's mine while it's your pleasure to bide in it if you fancy yourself safe from molestation said the baron as to that i think i may be tranquil i have there too the best assurances that the business will be hushed up so much the better though in any case this seems to have marred your real engagements here in the matter of drimdarroch count victor's turn it was to feel vexation now he pulled his moustache and reddened as to that baron said he i pray you not to despise me for i have to confess that my warmth in the mission that brought me here has abated sadly you need not ask me why i cannot tell you as for me and my affair i have not forgotten nor am i likely to wholly forget but your haystack is as difficile as you promised it should be and there are diverse other considerations it necessitates that i go home there shall be some raillery at my expense doubtless ciel how louis my cousin will laugh but no matter he spoke a little abstractedly for he saw a delicate situation approaching he was sure to be asked once annapla's service was over what led to the encounter and to give the whole story frankly involved olivia's name unpleasantly in a vulgar squabble he saw for the first time that he had been wholly unwarranted in taking the defence of the baron's interests into his own hands could he boldly intimate that in his opinion jealousy of himself had been the spring of the chamberlain's midnight attacks on the castle of doom that were preposterous and yet that seemed the only grounds that would justify his challenging the chamberlain when annapla was gone then doom got the boldest of histories he was encouraged to believe that all this busy day of adventure had been due to a simple quarrel after a game of cards and where he should have preferred a little more detail he had to content himself with a humorous narrative of the escape the borrowing of the coat and the interview with the duchess and now with your permission baron i shall go to bed at last said count victor i shall sleep to-night like a sabot i am i know the boldest of beggars for your grace and kindness it seems i am fated in this country to make free not only with my enemy's coat but with my dear friend's domicile as if it were an inn to-morrow baron i shall make my dispositions the coat can be returned to its owner none the worse for my use of it but i shall not so easily be able to square accounts with you End of chapter thirty three